Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Conscious Vibe Podcast, where we elevate intellect through conscious dialogue while exploring race, politics, business, and culture. I'm Dr. Darrell L. Jones. And I'm Charles D. Mitchell. Welcome to the Conscious Vibe, DJ. How are you, man? Man, I'm great. Good. Good day to be here, right? Absolutely. Always is. Yeah, yeah. Let's welcome our guest. Uh, I've got here today one of my really, really close friends, long time brother from another mother, Todd Leach. Hello, hello. A man from Indy himself. Welcome. From Nap. Absolutely. And his business partner, Art Johnson. Art, welcome. Pleasure to meet you. Welcome. Pleasure to meet you in Pleasure person. To be here. Absolutely. We had a conversation some time ago. Good to reconnect. Yep. Glad we would do it here on the show. And uh, these two businessmen do a lot of great work internationally. Um, Rhino Innovations Group. Right? right, 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 right. And so one is one, first of all, wanna learn a lot about you as individuals like growing up. You can share your individual stories in terms of life to get you from like where you are uh, at the current moment going back to when, you know, started out as a little tyke and then how the two of you connected and didn't go further. Just first I must say some would argue that I'm still at that stage, man. Just a little, <laughs> little tight. <laughs> Just a little tight. But well, that would be all awesome. you, you got a little glass of wine in front of you. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Boy, you got my, my grandma over here. Yeah. Got it. Makes sense. <laughs> oh, man. No. Uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for this forum. Thank you for putting this together. And uh, thank you, Art, for joining, man. As you all know, I don't talk about me very often. Um, and with great business partners, you know, I don't need to talk about me, man. We we get to brag about the work that we do, uh, making an impact in the world. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. As I alluded to earlier, our focus is to leave the world better than the way it was given to mm-hmm. us. And, you know, I think the world has kind of gotten away from that. And so... Uh, our passion for that is has grown as a result of that. You know, it, it would be easy to conform, uh, but the reality is, is extraordinary is not ordinary on purpose, right? You, mm-hmm. you got to go against the norm, and, and so uh, we take pride in that. Uh, fortunately, our skin is dark, so you can't see the bruises, uh, but they are there. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying it true. Uh, but again, to have a wonderful uh, business partner that I can literally talk to about anything, uh, it, it makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. Well, my my journey is kind of interesting. I grew up in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, <laughs> okay. so uh, yeah. not not Indy, um, but many uh, yeah. close close to. And uh, my father drove the city bus, and um, I watched his career go from driving that city bus to becoming the chairman of the Federal Reserve, the ninth district, all off of a high school education. This is an individual (laughs) that uh, was Army trained, uh, was a drill sergeant in the Army, and my mother was a valedictorian in high school. And so you take the combination of a drill sergeant and a valedictorian, that creates quite the elixir for some intensity <laughs> up in that household. So uh, I am the product of that. And uh, so when I graduated, I went to Drake University, ran track there, and uh, that was many, many pounds. Home of the Drake Relays. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> many pounds ago, but uh, but here I am nonetheless. <laughs> many pounds ago? You're looking great, oh, man. brother, don't give me Come too much on. credit. Man. I've got this big shirt on for a reason. <laughs> Uh, so when I graduated, I went to work for a copier uh, resale company 
I would call it CDP, just the regional copier uh, distributor in the Midwest, and um, cut my teeth in sales. IBM rec- recruited me away, went to work for IBM, trained and did all that stuff. And in doing this work of taking on broader responsibilities, I got this concept of what does an aligned organization look and feel like? You know, what is what is it like to be fully bought in and dialed into organizational alignment? And what are the outcomes of that? So having participated in sports, being a part of relays, being a part of business, this concept of how do we all get together, get on the same page and ultimately drive toward the same goals with a purpose. So I wrote a book on that. And that's, you know, part of what's hmm. <laughs> what's exciting these days. But at the same time, yep, the art of alignment. Uh, but on top of that, uh, this work that, that Todd and I have, have kind of come together on in terms of helping a, a continent, starting with one country at a time, but helping a continent become self-sufficient. How do we take the knowledge, experience, and expertise and package those in a way that causes that entity to be able to look at itself and say, no, I can do this. I don't necessarily need the help of hmm. other foreign nationals to get to be where I want to be. But, uh, but to take control of my own destiny. And that is exciting work. And I'm so happy to be uh, able to work with my business partner and friend and, and brother, for that matter, uh, to do just that. So here I am. All right. Long, long story, but uh, yeah, we're here today. Oh, so so I don't even know where to start. So I'm going to start because I want to I ask you a little bit about well, your, make your him, take on make the him take him back, though. Well, I do want to I do want to at some point ask about I grew up in, in Michigan, so I'm familiar with Indianapolis. And I have a really close friend who's in the same doctoral program, Shola, yeah. who still lives yeah. in Indianapolis. There's a lot of history to Indianapolis, like good and not so good. Mm. And a lot around race when we start talking about Indiana. Yes. Greenwood and all that kind of. Martinsville. Yeah, man, that southern piece that people don't want to talk about. I kind of want to hear more from you about that growing up there. I'd also want to ask you a question first about when you talk about alignment, it's such a widely used term from a corporate perspective. Mm -hmm. When you talk about it, what does it mean, the term alignment? Simply put, it is the strength of harmony between strategy, structure, and culture. So when we look at putting together a strategy, what good is that if the culture won't accept it? Absolutely. And I think Harvard Business Review said it best, which was, uh, culture eats strategy for lunch. So we have to have that right culture in place to do that. But then structure is important too. You know, we've got to have the right names and the right boxes. And I think uh, there's some books out that talk about getting the right people on the bus. And we got to make sure that we have these things in mind. But in order to create the culture, we have to have one of inclusiveness. Because if a certain group within an organization has been either ostracized or they've been muzzled or whatever it has happened, uh, uh, alienated for whatever reason, then not only do they feel it, but some of the people around them tangentially feel it, customers feel it, and the impact of the business is significant. So we got all kinds of statistics that speak to not only being aligned, but how do we get everyone aligned and dropping those oars in the water at the same time? And so that's the nature of the work. And we got a lot of geeks and nerds on my team that, that get into this stuff. And, uh, but yeah, that, that's the definition with a little bit of color behind it. I love the analogy of dropping the oars in the water at the same time. I was back east, uh, my daughter's boarding school last week, and I was watching, uh, 
high school, the crew team <laughs> practice on the, the the river there and noticing the sort of like disharmony of, of trying to get that row in the water at the same time. And I realized how difficult that actually is, right? So right. It's, it's not just something you just hop in the, you hop in the, the boat and you start to row and everybody's going at the same pace at the same speed at the same time. It doesn't work that way, no. right? There's a lot that has to go into making sure that those oars go in and there's sort of that synchronicity that goes along with it. Um, so love that analogy. Well, yeah, and I spent an entire doctoral program studying exactly what you talked about, which is culture, organizational crisis, the root of organizational crisis. You can't do enough research to try and understand that, man. That's, that's really critical. Can it's I a moving back? target, too, by Yeah, it's a moving right? target, right? And, and if you, you can become irrelevant fast trying to understand that. Absolutely, yesterday. <clears throat> so I think a lot of people have this <laughs> perception of the Midwest being this kind of the flatlands where, you know, hey, life is just good old values and there's a lot more to it than that. Indeed. Can you talk about growing up in Indianapolis? I'll I'll tell you about my experience. Yeah. Uh, And I'll single out my experience because I recently had a conversation with someone as early as this morning. Uh, I will accept that I had a different life uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know if it was because of the people that I associated with or was able to associate with, I've always been regarded as you're different, you know, and and that's always bothered me. And, and as I've gotten older, I've challenged, you know, explain how I'm different, mm. you know, uh, because honestly, I'm the least intelligent guy that I know in the group that I hang with. I, I, and, I, and I say that respectfully. Uh, this guy over here was way smarter than me, but for some reason, you know, you aligned with me. And so I asked myself that question. And, you know, there's a there's a, a term that was expressed in one of my uh, early uh, professional, uh, you know, the, the training set uh, that we went through. And it was a term that came out, WLQ, white light quotient. And so apparently I had a very high white light quotient. Can't explain it. It's just the way that I've been able to associate, assimilate into, you know, into that environment. But at the same time, I've always stayed true to who I am. So it's always been kind of a strange. No, you're you impressed on something. I got to prove I've heard it. <laughs> Let's go. I, I got a question now. Talk to me. I would assume that's a positive thing. Good question. Because oftentimes what's assigned as white isn't really white. No. <laughs> it's just a particular road to success. It's not owned by a, a but it's been attributed to to white folks, right? I, I, I love that you're putting it in that context, right? Because I yeah. think a lot of times what happens to us if we speak the king's language right. and we're able to converse with people, have, you know, civil conversation that doesn't end in some sort of uproar about one thing or another, right? That all of a sudden we take on that quotient, right? And so I love that you brought that to the forefront in the idea of, no, that doesn't mean that your whiteness is a part of your sort of personality and who you are as a human being or individual, but that is something very different about you in terms of your your ability to just be in a room and be you 
and be able to like connect with whoever's in that moment. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So you know, let, let's be careful with that term uproar too, right? So when we talk about uproar, even in communication, how many times do we have dialogue amongst ourselves and the decibels go up? Mm. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. the passion of the conversation. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Somebody might look at it. From, there's no danger to someone might look from the outside and think, man, why are they yelling at each other? But they're not. I mean, like if you watch <laughs> first boys, take. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. The, watch first take in the morning with Stephen A. Smith. I mean, there's this uproar after uproar, but that's not, that's just intellectual banter and discourse. I think that's positive and healthy. Well, if you want to go down and that I'm rabbit hole, you, you want to go down that rabbit hole, <laughs> we go down that rabbit hole because I mean, the reality is, you know, one of the things that, this, this literally happened to me last week and um, I was having a, a business conversation um, over the phone um, with a, 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 a supplier to the work that we do they're doing some work with us um to help us with some tax credit type issues and long story short you know it was a it was a passionate conversation about some things that the organization didn't disclose to us mm. and i got a little passionate in the conversation but never disrespectful mm -hmm. right i got very passionate and in the course of that conversation i used a, i used a, a a profanity that i typically wouldn't use in that that context but it wasn't in any way um uh it wasn't like nasty or mean i mean i used the word bullshit and i think in any other context that would have just been a normal course of a dialogue that that was very intellectualized very 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 um to the point about what we were discussing and I got this sort of back blow of, wait a minute, why, why are you being so, this is the word. Aggressive. Aggressive. How did I know it was going? Aggressive was the word. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Now you're being aggressive. It is not. Now, that's aggressive. Now, let me show you. Aggressive. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And I said, and I said aggressive. I mean, I mean, I said, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. That would have taken us down a whole nother path. Oh, yeah. But you're thinking it. But I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm aggressive now? Because you, little white lady, get to be who you want to be anytime you want to be it. Exactly. But I assert myself in a way where I'm, I'm telling you what my deep concerns are about the issue that we're having in this business conversation. That you misrepresented. That you misrepresented, by the way. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, I'm being aggressive. <laughs> so, you know, and... and DJ and I have experienced that just in terms of just socially he and I being together and you know he and I will spar like the best of them <laughs> back and forth and you know the other audience around us and again doesn't look like us right it's sitting there like holy shit what are they doing yeah who's like, going to shoot first who's yeah. going <laughs> to shoot first and where's the gun coming from yeah. right and so you know it, it again going down the rabbit hole we just went down it, it, it always strikes me that we can't have this dialogue in an impassioned way when we have conviction and belief around something that is important in the moment mm -hmm. right. where we can express ourselves in a certain way where others feel the, you know, there's like this sort of ability to do so. Whereas, you know, 
we're some sort of like creature well, from another we place. We have to grant ourselves the ability to do that. Exactly. I think right. we do. Exactly. I, I take, I take yeah. exception to uh, somebody not only controlling the narrative of the conversation yeah. and saying what's acceptable and what's not, Absolutely. but then also deciding how I get to react to it. Right. I find a little problem with that just to begin with. Absolutely right. right. So, total control. That is total control. Total control. And growing up in the house of a drill sergeant, that whole idea of control, I just reject it. This is therapeutic, brothers. <laughs> Thank you for we So did you have brothers and sisters? Uh, younger brother. Okay, how about yourself? Younger brother. Oh, same. Yep. Oh, okay, okay. How did you guys actually meet? I'll let him tell the story. So uh, I was a vice president of sales at Medtronic, large medical device, largest in the world, medical device company in the world. And we, you know, we're having trouble gaining market share because we were getting our asses kicked in the southern part of Texas. And I kept talking to my counterparts and, you know, saying, hey, what, what's going on? If we, you know, what are we doing? Have we talked to the players? Do we know anybody down there? Yeah, but, you know, that that's not business that we really want. Oh, we don't want that business? How is that? There's $8, million to, eight to $10 million worth of just revenue waiting. But for some reason, you know, what we can't get or don't want to get, nah, it's not worth it. So I did a little digging and found out there's this guy named Todd Leach that's kicking our ass down there. And we can't do anything to pull this business away. So I found a way to get his phone number. Actually, somebody got a comment. Uh, P. Diddy. P. Diddy, right? Uh, uh, God rest her soul. Sharon Piper Diggs, mm-hmm. man. Uh, uh, gave me his number, and I got in touch with him right away. We chopped it up on the phone, hit it off, and decided to get together and talk about <laughs> ways about which we could do it. But I couldn't afford him. <laughs> so there was this mutual respect that took place at that time. We stayed in touch ever since, and you know the friendship kind of grew from there. Yeah. Did I miss anything? Spot on. Spot on. Okay, so hold on. You had a stronghold down there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what I'm hearing. Right. And, and you know how that works. Yes. You know it. You know it. Like, it's it's going to cost you a lot. I created a landscape down here, right? It's well, like, yeah. I, I went down there to do that. You know, God, the idea it. it was, so I was in leadership uh, within Boston, what, what used to be guidant. Uh, had some impasses with uh, my immediate uh, boss or whatever you call it, leadership. I refuse to call him a leader, but anyways. Uh, and so I was like, look, I know there's a lot of money in this space. That mm-hmm. I'm in, and I know your dream is that I would walk away from it. I know I can just go somewhere where nobody wants to be and I can create an empire. And I can own it. And so, as it, as it would be, it turned out to be that small town in South Texas. Went down there and built it up, literally. Uh, you know, as, as Art said, it was, you know, there was eight to ten million on the table. Um, when I got there, the company had done, I think, like 200000 a year before. And when I left six years later, there was eight to ten on the table. So, wow. uh, there's a lot of growth there, a lot of opportunity, a lot of work. Uh, and it was, you know, it was a lot of strategy, but at the same time, the reality of it is, is I was selling somebody else's product and I was using my name, you know, my reputation, my Rolodex to make everything right. As you would do when you're gifted the opportunity. Absolutely. It was, it was my wife that looked at me one day and was like, man, you know what? That's your name. 
they're not. They're, I mean, they're calling for guided Boston Scientific, but they're calling Todd. And you know, so all this MBA that I had, it had been mm-hmm. how to optimize somebody else's business and make my money from somebody else. It was my wife that pushed me out the door. It was like, look, go make our money. Wow. Well, you can speak to that in your transition to entrepreneurship as well, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, that's no so question. critical. No, but when that light exactly. goes off, man, or goes, comes on, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah, and I think the, the idea of sitting on the sidelines to create it for someone else, you know, you have to be in a position where you say, we're just going to, as a family, you know, or as a unit, wherever that might be, we're going to make the sacrifice now. Right to get where we want to go long term because we see the vision of what the possibilities are. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, anytime you can have, you know, people in your corner that say, let, let hey, go do that. Like that's a special thing because most people run to uh, the sort of, um, what do you call it? Security over here. Like what seems stable yeah. um, as opposed to really running towards the unknown and the possibility. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Wow, Art. I mean, when you think about um, a book based on alignment, <laughs> that that is an amazing undertaking, number one, because there's so many perspectives on what alignment is. Um, as you were going through the journey and the book started to morph and form, what were some of the things that came out as sacred cows that we all thought were things we need to do? that you shifted that whole paradigm now in terms of your research? Well, you know, I think it starts with empowerment, right? You know, this concept of leaders feeling the need to be important within their organizations, Mm -hmm. have the loudest voice, be the smartest person in the room. And what we've learned, DJ, is that uh, that does not help an organization grow and prosper. In fact, if that leader can step down and stand aside and be quiet and ask more effective questions. You know, I learned from my father a long time ago. It's 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 effective question asking that ultimately gets you to where you want to go. And I know why Todd's laughing because I told him the story. So I'm 15 years old. I'm out cutting the grass. Right? Can I do this? I'm out cutting the grass and I'm hustling to get it done because I got something I want to do. And so I get done, and the old man comes outside, you know, to inspect my work, and he looks at me and looks at the yard, and we can see a little strip that I've missed, and he looks at me, and he says, Art, is this your best work? And I saw the strip there, and I said, no. He said, when do you think we'll see your best work? (laughs) In other words, you know, we're your family. When will we see you know, <laughs> that's a great question. Oh man, I fired that one more back up, finish the job, right? So, so part of that learning was that you can get to where you want to be just by asking the right kinds of questions. And leaders within organizations, I, I'll talk about it in the book. Is you know, do you are you asking the right questions? You know, because if you're asking, or if you're answering more questions than you're asking, that's not real well, leadership, yeah, right? Not. And so when I can recall, people would come in my office and say, hey, Art, can I do this? And my answer would be, I don't know. Can you? <laughs> and then, you know, would get into this bit of banter, right? And No, no, I just want to know if it's okay. Well, let's see here. You're closer to the customer than I am, right? Yeah. You've even been in this business longer than I have. Yeah. Uh, you have the relationships with the customers. Yeah. Well, what are some of the ideas that you thought of? 
give me some of the thought. Well, I got this. And which of the four did you like the best? Well, I, I like this one. Well, why aren't you implementing? Is there anything I can do to help you go about? You see, so what I've done is I've fostered critical thinking within the organization. I've also pushed decision making down. So now not only have I empowered this particular individual, but also they are accountable to the outcome. And when they achieve that goal and I go to recognize them for the work that they've done, it's genuine. It's not that, you know, they went and did what I told them to do and I go pat them on the back for doing it. Right. So in essence, who am I really recognizing? I'm recognizing myself. But this is this is the piece that we found to be most pivotal in terms of really driving organizational alignment. I, I love that. And, you know, it's, it's so critical that, that you know, you shared that. You know, it's so interesting. Like, you know, we both have, you know, our, our kids who are experiencing a different sort of um, prep school opportunity right now. And I was at Parents Weekend. And they give you a little sense of the academics and what they try to teach these kids in this environment. And it's, it's interesting. The, what stuck out to me, just based upon what you were just sharing, one of the things that, the, the faculty was sharing is that we're not teaching for them to come up with the answers. We're teaching them to come up with the questions, mm-hmm. right? What are the relevant questions going to help drive you to a whole new view of looking at absolutely all the potential answers? Because there's never just one. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that is so profound in the context of organizations because you're right. You know, when we're thinking about organizations in terms of how to be better and how to grow within not just the organization's bottom line, but people and individuals in their roles, given the ability to think about those questions so that they can now go back and now find the answers for themselves, but also be accountable to the outcome, mm-hmm. you know, and then own that outcome. Whether it's a good outcome or not, right? Because we learn from them if they're not the good outcome, because we won't do it again. Mm-hmm. So I think that is so profound. I think that's great. Thank you for sharing that. You know, just one other quick one here. Um, so, so leaders, is, you know, when we get to that leadership role within an organization, uh, many times we just start really believing in our own in ourselves and probably manners and ways that we may not necessarily or should not necessarily be doing. And so, uh, if you ask a really smart person a question that they don't know the answer to, watch them. I mean, they fidget, they've got to come up with something because they've always been the smartest person in the room and compelled to answer questions. And so when they don't know stuff, it, it's almost like this conniption takes place. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, oh, it's it, it becomes it's external. It's right? right? So they circuit, right? You make it up, whatever it is, right? But the, out, the outcome is not good. So part of this thinking is that with, with leaders is saying, hey, look, you know what? Even if you have the answer, how about if you don't give it? Mm-hmm. Because now I'm fostering critical thinking. Now I get all no, ideas. But the minute no, the leader that. speaks, then that becomes the idea that we're going to run with. Because if you come up with something else, that means you're contradicting what I just oh, said. Man. You see what I mean? So the degree to which that leader says, you know, I'm not really sure. DJ, what do you think? How about that? And so that when we talk to leaders, you know, I've, I spent time with leadership teams and groups and stuff like that. That's, that's where we spend a lot of our time is getting that leader to kind of, hey, wait, pipe down a little bit. Let's get all the ideas out on the table. Anyway. That also works ideas. in relationships, too. That, you know, <laughs> not, to, not to go down that path either. But I just, you know, one thing I, re- you know, it's kind of funny. I think, you know, early on in my marriage, my wife would ask me questions all the time. And I, I just thought I had to have the answer. You know, I've gotten to the point now where, you know, I will easily say, yeah, I don't know. 
Or, or, or let me think about it. It doesn't serve me well. That right? is truly what that is. You know, you know, it doesn't serve me well. Even if I think I have the answer, right. you know, it doesn't serve me well to go down that path of that conversation. But to your point, though, I think it does elicit the opportunity for people to critically think. And DJ and I, have a we have a long dialogue in, in a lot of the conversations we've had on the podcast about critical thinking and how that's really, truly missing. God. Truly missing in society, these conversations we have and how, how important it is to try to figure out how do we bring that back. Yeah, we, we don't encourage it, right? I say we. In, in general, it's it's less and less. And I love the fact that those scenarios you talk about, you're forcing critical thinking by asking questions. And I hope you've done about 90% of that before you came into the room. If you haven't, I'm going to keep pushing you on critically thinking. To understand if you feel confident enough about that to also assume the risk that comes with it. Mm. And that's the other thing you're sort of pressing on when you have them in the room. Sounds like a great idea. Have you also calculated what risk might be associated with that too? And oftentimes that's where people kind of back off. Um, Again, that, but that in and of itself is a leadership characteristic. Yeah, yeah. 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 Go, ahead. Go, ahead. Go, ahead. Go ahead and say something. No, it's interesting. If you're not encouraging people to take the, to take risk. the risk, then what kind of leadership style Absolutely. are you implementing, right? Absolutely. But guys, I, I, I would be crazy if I didn't draw the correlation between this and as we talk about relationships and customers uh, and companies. Can you imagine the power? that a tool and an ideology like this would have on an emerging market. No, oh, wow. So yeah, that, that, yeah. that jumps us into Absolutely. the work the guys are doing in, in, in the continent of Africa. I want to talk about that a lot for sure. But the one thing I do want to dig into is I think this is an important part of the dialogue as well. DJ and I have this, we, we, we see this pattern a lot when people have been athletes, you know, at some stage in life how that drives them into sort of different performance outcomes when it comes to life and career and, and, and success. Um, both of you have been athletes, Todd, you're an athlete. Um, what I didn't know is that you were a sweeper in soccer. <laughs> Blew my mind the other day when you shared that. I was like, okay, I love it. Um, as I'm watching my daughter play soccer in the soccer field. Can we talk about that for a little bit? How, how athletics has shaped you in terms of your experiences, you in track, you in football? Oh, man. If I can sum up, you know, the impact of sports that I've had from from my life's experiences, uh, I'm a better basketball player than Art actually believes. By the way, uh, I can't confirm or deny that. By <laughs> <way>. <laughs> hey, Charles, he refuses to believe that I had a jump shot, man. I, I'm just. That's saying. tough. I, why do you refuse to believe? It's not that. It's it's. Why are you shooting threes when you can just back somebody in oh, okay. and, and yeah, make a That you can do too. Yeah. No well, right. do that. But, but unless you're shooting the three at a really high rate, and I was questioning that. It wasn't that he couldn't make them. It was just, you got to make them at a high rate. To, it was pretty. That's all I can say. But, but no. Uh, <laughs> we did good. That sounds like two of us. That sounds exactly like two. We've had this, basketball, we've had this conversation guy. around two sport guys. Yeah, you know, and I'm definitely like the, you know, my usage, rate, my usage rate is definitely behind the three-point line. So, you know. The older I get, the better, or the more that became relevant, right? No question. Uh, but no, honestly, what if I were to culminate my, my, my athletic experience in life, it would be 
it taught me to learn how to fail. Mm. All the time. All right. It teaches you to learn how to fail. That's it. Guys, we're getting ready to go down the rabbit hole. You guys tell me if you want to go there. There's no rabbit hole. But this trophy generation where everybody gets trophies and, you know, then it's the selfies that go with it. It, it, We're just perpetuating a horrible, a horrible society. On the field, you line up across the man. In football, your your, your job was to defeat the man over you. You had to do that first before you could go and make a play. Mm-hmm. You had to beat the man That's lined right. up over you first to go make a play in That's the right. other hole or anywhere else on the field. If you didn't do that first, you, you couldn't do the other. You couldn't do your job. It, it wasn't yeah. even on the tape. It's called right? foundation. Right. It, and that also wasn't a snapshot moment either, That right? That's just part of your job. That, that was it. That Your job yeah. started, and it could end there because if you didn't beat the guy over you, you couldn't. You couldn't possibly make. Absolutely right. You, you were. You were out of the play, right? And so, as I relate my my life's experiences, uh, my business experiences to my my athletic experience, I learned how to fail. But just because you were beat right at the point of contact did not mean you lost the war. Mm-hmm. You know what? There were all kind of tricks. You know, there was determination. All those things that you could push through and find a way to still get free and make a play. Uh, those things exist uh, real time in the business world, right? We're always faced with objections. We're always faced with a changing environment. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, are, what, you're going to fold up? Your plan's over now? Or are you going to adjust, right? Or are you going to find a way to win? Hmm. And so I'll end by saying sports, my athletic career, taught me to find a way to win. I would just say for me, sports taught me how to compete. You know, and that out of that, you know, you start to figure out how to differentiate and win. Um, so I start with that competitive aspect. And then in order to win, there are certain things that, that, that came into play. One, you know, do you have an understanding of the rules <laughs> and, and and do you see where you fit into this cog uh, or what, as, as a cog, do you see how you fit into this machine and where can you make plays, as Todd says, and contribute at the highest level mm. possible? Um, but the, the other outcome of that and, and that I spent a lot of time on is this concept of grit. I mean, you know, particularly for us, we are going to get told no <laughs> at a much faster, higher, frequent rate than yeah. other folks. And so if you don't develop some thick-ass skin and have some grit about figuring out how to, how to manipulate, massage, move, whatever else to get to the outcome that you're looking for, hang it up. And so we can complain about the, the my, my daddy said this all the time. It's not a rocky road. It's just the road. Mm-hmm. So let's not spend so much time defining the road. Let's get on with it. And so we spent a lot of time, you know, just getting the noise out of that tunnel so that we can get to that final outcome that we're after. And so, yeah, grit was... Does anybody uh did you, you know get indoctrinated with the uh the poem Excuses? Oh that might that might be a tools of incompetence. Tools of incompetence that build monuments and nothing is those who specialize in them seldom do anything else. So you guys fraternity guys? Yes. Yes. I'm an alpha. 
Omega. Okay, we got almost fully represented. Almost fully. Okay. It's two of us. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 You guys say this. Oh. You're waiting on the door. Oh. Yeah. You're oh. right. You still need to So, um, that's funny. <laughs> you know, we t- kind of want to flip back to the, um, the athlete thing a little bit. I think one of the things that I continue to be uh, amazed at is how quickly oftentimes folks that don't look like us and haven't had the experiences we've had want to place the label of kind of natural talent on the things. And I, I'm so far from, from that because there are a lot of folks with similar experiences, even that do look like us, mm-hmm. athletes, et cetera, who still can't make that shift to what happened on the field, to what they're capable of off the field. So it's not just having the experience. I'm curious to know what else is there. You have to be able to see things that not all athletes can see or interpret experiences a little bit differently that allow you to say, I can take this experience, manifest it off the field and be just as if not more successful. So it's not just the experience itself. We we all have had that. What is it that, what else is there that allows you to take that and create a new meaningful experience that's unrelated to sport. That transferability. Yeah, what, 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 yeah, exactly. That's not just a natural yeah. thing that everybody's born with. Or, when does that develop? When did you start to feel like, you know what? I, I can make that happen. I'm going to let you go first. You know, I, for me, it's, it's about continuous improvement. You know, so if, if I'm at a certain <clears throat> point in life, I'm trying to make this transition from school athletics now into the professional world, do I have the requisite skills to compete effectively? Mm-hmm. And so part of that sharpening of the saw, you know, continuous improvement was something I took very seriously. So that, I, that started with what? Early on. Oh, what was the catalyst of that? The start of that was what? Was, was sport, competing and, and, and the, the desire work. to succeed. And the work. Oh, and absolutely. The work that goes along with that. You don't show up for a meet, right? Yeah, without practicing. Especially in track. I was right? yeah, yeah. Right. You know, so, you know, and as you know, if you train like that, you train along for the most part. Um, it's not like we had a bunch of them at school, you know, I was it. So this concept of training alone and working on a lot of different stuff and practicing a lot of things is not the most fun thing to do, but it requires a lot of work, like you said, Charles. And so this idea of continuous improvement, I just took that with me. So where am I today? You know, so I remember when I first started at IBM, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I'm dressed like a used car salesman. They had to get me to change my wardrobe up a little bit. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah, and I'm, I know, yeah. I'm 23 years old. I'm, I'm on a different mindset, Absolutely. too. So I had to be, you know, brainwashed a little bit and, you know, kind of brought into, you know, thinking about what this whole corporate life was going to be like. And so that whole transition was now spending more time with dad and listening to him now. 
you know, whereas before, it's like, ah, come on. You know, Absolutely. Be yeah. Listening to them, also, you know, getting you know, exposed to other people that were in similar, you know, positions and start paying more attention to this kind of stuff. And how do I bring this now into my world and make, make myself better? And then it's always been the case. I mean, I, every step of the way is go get your master's degree. It's go, you know, whatever it is about that continuous improvement so that I could, again, compete even more effectively. Finding the edge, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. was what how I would sum it up. You've uh, always felt like that about yourself. I'll huh? Find yeah. the edge. I'll find. I'll study the hell out of something until I find a an opportunity. I won't call huge. it weakness. All right. Uh, until I find an opportunity, and, and once I see that opportunity, I'll blow it up. What did Michael Irvin say? <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Hey, you got to share that quote. Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Michael Irvin. I, I heard him. I can't remember what it was on. It could have been on first take. I don't know what it was, but Obviously, you watched first take. I, I have checked that out a few times. <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about it. No, but if I'm on the plane, I'm like flipping to any of that. So, uh, but Michael Irvin said, and I just love it. I, I, I don't want to butcher it, but uh, he basically was saying that if you dominate a man with using your strength over his weakness, you win. But if you take his strength and dominate him over his strength, you destroy him. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> you destroy him. Mm. So if his, if his strength of his game is power and you bring more power than he does, you destroy him. So and is I, that what we've recently seen with the whole... The trilogy now between Fury and Wilder. It's, hard to, argue, it's hard to argue against it. I, I think it applies, right? It is hard and to argue against, against it. Took, took his strength away oh, and just destroyed him. He destroyed him. Okay. Yeah, I, I, thought, I think that's a very I thought Wilder was going to win, but in, 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 I did facet, right? I didn't see that coming. You know? Yeah. Interesting. Love it. Love it. So let's talk about um, Africa. Work you doing there? I know you're like Mr. Clandestine over here. <laughs> Don't want to talk about anything. But 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 if you could share with us a little bit about what you're doing to elevate those countries, you know, you, you talked about it earlier, Art. Um, we'd love to learn more about your work, um, what the future looks like, and uh, you know some of the things you're really excited about. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm more of a strategist. I, I tend to look at things and, and, um, and look for opportunities, but also look at the skills of the individuals and the resources that are available and try to find ways by which, you know, we can accomplish goals. Uh, I think Todd is extremely good at establishing the appropriate relationships, maintaining those relationships, um, cultivating them, uh, and then putting pieces of a puzzle together. I mean, so, um, you know, it's like a good chef. I mean, this needs a little paprika. This needs a little time. You know, whatever it is that, that's required, uh, Todd has done masterful work around piecing this or cobbling together a team of folks that can go out and, and do the work do the work, and, and realize the vision. So, so that said, um, this concept of of creating self-sufficiency of countries for countries in Africa, for leaders to be able to hold their heads high, which, you know, certainly in, on the continent are doing that, but now even on the world stage are beginning to do that and to give them the power and capability and knowledge and influence and resources 
is is kind of that end game and and there's nobody better at being able to take what resources that are available and the need and bring them together than Todd does and so when Todd you know tapped me on the shoulder and said hey look you want to partner with me in this work I mean it didn't take me but a half a second to say yes so not only does this address you know uh, a need but it also addresses a uh, a burning desire in my heart which is to give back in a way that uh, that helps us the people that look like us become self-actualized beautifully stated you know the 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 gas in the engine that makes me go is being there for the last almost six years and watching all of these other countries that have that were there before we got there personally uh and they don't actually invest in the people all right they'll rotate their c-suite out with different people coming in from their respective countries. Got it. They never aspire to develop Got the it. people right there. And to me, that is the that is the most disgusting thing that I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I take tremendous pride in the fact that we're both sitting here in your studio in, in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. And we've got local people representing our organization on a day-in, day-out basis. We still have oversight, you know, but on the day-to-day operations, we have transferred that power and that trust to the local people that we are working with, and they represent us. They represent themselves, more importantly, but they represent the work that we espouse to do they're on the continent on a day in day out basis. That is the most gratifying thing that I can speak to you guys about today from the work that we're doing on Africa. We're empowering Africa to help Africa. And, and mm-hmm. that, that is the most rewarding thing of, of what we're doing. I, and then you get into, you know, shifting the whole ecosystem when you do that. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, that, that really, really is. One of the things that were you a biology major? <laughs> yeah. What were you thinking when you uh, chose biology? What was your What was Boy, your thought? You just opened up a can of worms now. <laughs> so okay, biology major, that's great. Yeah. You know, so why would you do that? I, ha- I had interest in in medicine, uh, and was you know very actively pursuing it. Fortunately. Came across a, a mentor, uh, Paul Magelli, man, and anybody that knows me, I call him Pops. Uh, Pops changed my life. You know, he, he said he was the dean of the uh, uh, business school okay. at the University of Illinois. And at the time, University of Illinois had a med scholars program. It was one of the few programs in the country where you could do your MBA and your MD in a five-year program. Wow. So you could use your electives from both both sides to take out a year of the uh of the traditional uh, platform. Uh, well, I did the first year of the MBA and went back to Pops and was like, man, hey, look, healthcare is changing. Had a mentor told me that you make more money in one year with your MBA than you would as a lifetime physician. Just kept resonating in my ear. And I was like, went back to Pops and said, look, ex on the medical school. I just want to finish the MBA and get out of corporate America. Thinking I didn't want to pay back all those loans. Now, DJ, Charles knows this story. This is how God laughs at Todd. Todd meets the woman who he's going to marry, who just 
graduated from medical school. So my whole reason for not going to medical wow. school was, man, I wouldn't want them loans. Are you kidding me? I didn't want to pay back them loans. You got them anyway. Loans found you. Loans found me, man. So uh, it's interesting. So that that's uh, wow. that's my biology life. So. You know, not a whole lot of application to biology uh, in what we're doing today. But I, I challenge anybody, you know, who's really doing work right now, surrounded by or anywhere near the focus of their major. If you, Unless you say business or finance, in most cases, you know, you're somewhere else, you know, in a different field, different building altogether. Oh, for sure. Well, what was your undergrad? Marketing. Okay. So, yeah, same here. And minored in religion. Mm. Wow. Didn't see that, did you? No. So uh, I come from a long line of Baptist ministers. Mm. From Mississippi and whatnot. That's where the family Johnson plantation, the whole bit was. So descendant of slaves, brother. You know, one, two. This whole concept of of, uh, minoring in religion was, it started as an idea that maybe, you know, maybe. Uh, but about a year into it, I saw the correlation between the two with marketing and religion. Because if you <laughs> ask somebody the simple question, what's the difference between a Baptist and a Methodist? What is it? Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Real talk. See, I'm glad I didn't answer. I was going to try to say something really. You were going to say something smart. Yeah. I wasn't going to was you were gonna gonna say something smart. Yeah, no we're using the same book. Hey, we just got to differentiate just a little bit so the money flows here, right? So it didn't take me long to figure that out. And But anyway, that's that was a rabbit hole that I need, I need to get that out. There was no rabbit hole. Yeah. There, there. Well, as you go down and say, what's the difference between an A and me? Well, I'm I'm actually CME. Oh, okay. Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. (laughs) 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 Oh my God, I love it! I love it. This is great. Um, You know, we we typically part of the conversation at dialogue. We don't want it to be just a sort of like a one way street. DJ and I also want to have the opportunity for you guys to like, if there's something you want to ask us about doing the conversation that. Man, what made you guys start this? This is, this is cool. I'll let you tackle that. I'm going to be honest with you. I think I'll, I'll push Charles. Well, we, we don't talk a lot about it. I, you know what? That's not the right way to put that. I think you're right. I, I would not disagree with that. Well, Charles pushed me, so I can totally I, understand okay. his correlates. Right? I, really, I really don't. That's not the way I should put that. I think Charles, first of all, I have a lot of respect for Charles. And I just think there are voices, particularly in our community, folks that look like us, that just are unheard, doing wonderful things, inspiring, and they go unheard and, and remain disconnected. You guys doing wonderful things in your world, Charles doing his thing, me doing my thing. But what does that look like when these conversations come together? So I've always been sort of infatuated with what that could look like. I met Charles almost two years ago now. I said, this is a brother who I I would want to explore. So we're sitting in the backyard, man. He's drinking tequila. I'm drinking whiskey. (laughs) We're talking. I said, man, we ought to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, man, that's not like a good idea. 
So he's not there yet. <laughs> a couple months later, I sat in the backyard. I said, man, we ought to do a podcast. He said, you know what, man? We should. I said, that's all I need to know. So the next time I came back, basically laid out, like, this is how we can do this. He said, man, I'm in. Um, and I got some ideas. And I'd say two weeks later, we're sitting here doing the first podcast. Yep. Wow. And he's got a lot of, I'm not, I'm done talking about it. Let's move in it, as do I. And we said, you know what? We've done much bigger things. This is something, if we're serious, we can make this happen relatively fast. So. Yeah, you know, and, you know, it's interesting. I, um, when DJ and I met, I mean, literally, like the, the moment I met him, I was like, I like this brother. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of those mutual connections through just a mutual friend of ours, obviously being fraternity brothers. Cap outside, by the way, okay. just so we can get that out there. I appreciate that. Just so we Good can thing you brought that back. Get that out there, man, real quick. Pledge undergrad, too. Undergrad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's an important Pledge undergrad, just to make sure we're, we're focused on that. But, you know, we... For we, a freshman, we, too, man. Oh, man, <laughs> go. <I was> freshman. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, but... As we started having this conversation, just, you know, anytime we got together, it wasn't about just the mundane, usual sort of like run of the mill stuff that we were talking about. And I realized that, man, this, this brother's got a lot in him that has an intellect and an element of critical thinking that I don't get in all my relationships with, you know, friends and people that I connect with and have time, have the opportunity to spend time with. And so I just knew it was just a different conversation. And I know he was just a different type of human being. And I thought that it was super special that we had the opportunity to connect and be together and develop this friendship and relationship. And when he brought up the idea of a podcast, I was like, whoa, like, that's so far out of my realm of what you know I had any exposure to. And then, you know, as we kind of went through and we got, you know, we were literally in the midst of the pandemic as it kind of initially hit us and started talking about it again. And he brought it up that second time. I was like, look, let's just do this because... We're in a new time. And to his point, our voices just are not in the world. Like your voices, like hearing the two of you have this dialogue, this conversation we're talking about, we don't have the opportunity to share this with, let alone our community, but with the world at large. Like you're doing great things that are going to help and impact an entire continent. Who knows about that? Besides the people that you're impacting, you know, directly we want to have this dialogue and share these people like you and others that we've had on the show that have such an impact in a, you know what may seem like a very small microcosm type way but when we put it all together it's a huge opportunity for impact and that's a that's what i think really incites the two of us in terms of like it's a conversation it's really rich um we learn a lot we grow a lot from the things that we experience and the people that we connect with and so I'm just like, I'm just really thankful that he, he brought this up and said, hey, look, let's do this together. And uh, it, it's one of the, 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 the best things that happened to me in terms of my, not only my, my professional career, because I think this is, you know, we look at this as work that we do and we take it very seriously, but it's also very personal. You know, it was very personal and it's something that we really, we really believe in and um, want to continue. So, yeah. The, uh, I can see the passion. I mean, you know, that's, it comes across asking the right questions, very thought provoking stuff. We get into it and 
given the opportunity to fully express her. So you guys are good at doing this too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and if there is anybody or any person that I, I comes across my, you know, path, you know, and, and you want to connect with them and have that similar, I'd be happy to make introductions or whatever it is that you need. Man, I, I, I appreciate that. I, you know, selfishly, one of the things that I, I hope we can do, uh, and this I'm feeling this now, more so than I have with it, with any guests we've had in the past, is to figure out some sort of rhythm to stay connected. And, you know, personally for selfish reasons, but I also believe when we start talking about, you know, legacy and what happens beyond us being here, um, you thought about that in terms of creating content and putting that in the world. And I'm sure as private as you are, you figure out you figured out how you want to do that. Oh, I'm nudging him to do the same oh, thing. And, and he, he needs to do he that. He needs right? to do that. For he needs sure, to be more than a nudge. No I mean, seriously, he, yeah. You, you yeah, sure. Yeah, well, the nudge will be a shove at some point. Figure out how and when to do that. But when I think about, you know, even, even the four of us having a conversation strictly around something like critical thinking and what it means to each of us, you can't get here without having done that. And without that being important to you, whether you realize it or not, early, even in sport. But what is that concept of critical thinking? How do we bring that back to life in a way that could be content, you know, for younger folks? Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really important because there's so many narratives and blips that exist today that haven't been flushed out properly, may not even be true. But when we talk about what really does it mean to think critically? I would love for us to press on that at some point and, and figure out what, what that means. No, it's so funny you say that. You know, one of the things that I value and cherish more than anything, and Todd knows this, you know, Todd and I have known each other literally since I, think I, I landed here in 1998. I think he's probably one of the first people I met. He was at my wedding. I was at his wedding. Oh, that's great. And, uh, um, you know, we, we've sort great. of, you know, you know how people float in and out of your life over the years and, you know, you take for granted that somebody's right down the street right. and you can connect with them anytime. But he's someone who I've always known. It's like he's right around the corner. My guy's there. Like whenever I need him, whenever we want to connect. But anytime we sit down and start to have dialogue and conversation, it's just like the conversations you and I have. It's rich. It's important. It's things that really we care about and want to try to figure out how to make a difference in. And so I, I love the idea of just keeping this conversation alive and going beyond this, you know, whatever it is, hour we spend on a podcast talking or, you know, we had a chance to connect a couple of years ago over this 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 opportunity, the business opportunity that we were uh, doing some things around and uh, just having the ability to spend this time with you in person. Really rich. Really appreciate it. Great for you for you guys both being here. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm glad you guys finally got a chance to meet. Yeah, no doubt. For sure. For sure. We'll, we'll do this more. For sure. And, and outside this forum, beyond this conversation, you know, obviously a huge part of this is breaking bread and sharing in some good, you know, vino, vino, you know, <laughs> do a lot more. Wow. So, yeah, man, this has been great for me, man, because I, you know, again, I moved here like two years ago. So I'm probably the newbie of, of all of us, I would imagine. How long have you been here? I don't live here. Oh, yeah, you yeah. don't? Okay. No. Are you still in... Minneapolis. Oh, you're in Minnie. Okay. But they have a house here. So, yeah. So, okay. I'm, I'm back and forth. Okay. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm here when it's cold. I'm here more. <laughs> <laughs> so, you start coming now, I guess, is around so time, time to time. Exactly. Well, I'm really glad you did. And it's been a pleasure meeting you, too, because I think, you know, when we talk about Scottsdale, people talk about Scottsdale. I don't think this is the visual 
Damn, most people have. My old man used to refer to it as heaven's waiting room. Okay. Okay. But I think it's a visual that is, is a powerful one, and people need to understand it exists, and, and it helps move what this you know landscape is about. So um, it's been a pleasure for me to meet you. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for having us. Yep. Yep. And thank you for joining us on The Conscious Vibe. Thank you for joining us. And check us out on tcvpodcast.com.